Just a little bit about Jonah to kind of open up. Um, Jonah was, by all accounts, he was the only prophet in the Old Testament that was actually sent exclusively to a non-Jewish nation. Most of the prophets, there were some that prophesied or spoke to other peoples that were not Jews. But Jonah seems to be the only one that was actually exclusively sent to a Gentile nation to bring a message of repentance and to declare God's goodness if they would repent. Uh, that's really powerful because we know that when Jesus came, He came for the whole world, right? And, and He came bringing a message of hope and salvation that would extend beyond just the Jewish nation into all of the nations of the world. And so Jonah is set on a mission to go and accomplish this. But this is a really difficult mission that God is asking Jonah to do, personally for Jonah. And here's why. The people that, God, that Jonah is going to are in Nineveh. They're known as the Assyrians. And Nineveh is actually the capital city. Which, by the way, if you go back in your Bible history into the book of Genesis, there was a guy named Nimrod who, I think Genesis t uh, 10 or 12, that founded the city of Nineveh to begin with. So it's a lot of history there. And these people that were raised up, the Assyrians, were one of two groups that were responsible for massive incursions and overrunning the Jewish nation. So they're very hostile to God's people, to the Jews. The other group were the Babylonians, and they came along not quite 200 years after the Assyrians. So this was all taking place in the 700s B.C., roughly. So the point of that, why I tell you that, is that there is much animosity from the Jewish people toward the Assyrians. They're not God-fearing people. They're not God-worshipping people. They have their own idols and their own gods. And uh, they have been very hostile in the sense that they have captured and taken prisoner many of the Jews over the years and taken them out of their homeland and uh, just afflicted much, much pain upon them. So Jonah's, that's, I tell you that because that's why we see this response from Jonah when God says, hey, I want you to get up and I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach the message uh, to those people. And, and Jonah is thinking to himself in this moment, why these people, God? You know, we all want like God to speak to us and say, hey, here's what I'm going to have you do. Here's a mission that I'm going to send you on. Here's a part of how I'm going to open up your purpose to you. And if we heard that, we'd be like, yes, Lord. And if he said, you're going to go and you're going to make a difference in thousands and thousands of people's lives as a result of how I use you. We'd be like, yes, Lord. But if he said, I'm going to do it to the people who you have the greatest bitterness and animosity towards, who have wounded you and hurt you for the last number of decades, then we might respond a little bit like Jonah did, which is, no, Lord, anybody but them. Anybody ever put in a request for transfer at your job? <laughs> Not you, babe. <laughs> Knock it off. <laughs> you know, you put in a request for transfer and, and sometimes it can make it happen. But Jonah, he doesn't, he doesn't have an option here. 
right? He's, he's going to get sent to this place because God has something very specific that He wants to do. He wants to offer an opportunity for these people to repent and be forgiven so that they're spared of judgment. You see God's mercy and His love on full display in this story. Of people who are wicked, who are evil, who have hurt God's chosen people in many ways. But God is extending mercy and love and forgiveness to these people as well. So this is on full display. But Jonah, he says, I'm going and I'm running as far in the opposite direction as I can. Now, it's not absolutely clear where Tarshish was. There's some debates on that, but most historians agree it was very far west. In fact, I'm going to put this map up just so you can see this for a minute. Where Jonah was, was over here by Israel, close to where it says Joppa, that's a port on the western sea bank of Israel. And God wanted him to go up to Nineveh, which is roughly 800 miles journey uh, where the Syrians were. But you see where Tarshish is all the way over here? That's on the southern coast of Spain. So what is Jonah saying? He's saying, I'm going to go as far as I can in the opposite direction that the Lord is telling me to go. Because, and just keep that up for a minute, his pain is so intense around these people. It's like God just struck a nerve with him. It's like God just touched a pain point. You ever go to the doctor and they're, you know, you're having some aches or some pains or whatever and they're feeling around and they try to find like the pain point, right? And when they hit it, you're like, Ugh! it nails you. I remember one time I was at a chiropractor. This is so funny. I go in and they hooked up all these little electrodes to me on my back to fire the muscles to try to kind of see where the pain and stuff was going, coming from. And the doctor says, hey, just relax. Take it easy. I'm going to head out of the room. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes, you know. And so I'm, I'm just laying there, and all of a sudden it starts getting really hot. Like it's burning my skin. And I'm like, wow, I don't know, maybe I'm just a weakling, you know. This is, he said it might be a little, like, uh, painful when it, at first. And then it keeps getting hotter and hotter, and I feel like my skin is on fire. And I'm like, this can't be right. Something is not right here. And so I'm squirming. And finally, I can't take it anymore. I'm like, I got to get these things off me. So I reach over my back and I grab these wires and I try to pull them off. And when I do, the patches slide and they stick to my neck. No joke. And I go. And I literally, I could not move. My whole body was like in this intense vibration mode. And I finally get him off, you know, and put him down. And the doctor comes back in. He's like, you okay? I'm like, dude, I don't know what's going on here or what I'm doing wrong, but this isn't right. So they checked it out and they, they realized that the pads, the little, they had this little jelly on them that they had wore out and the jelly was all gone. So they weren't able to make that connection and it was burning my skin. I had like little burn marks and stuff on it. Anyway, so when you touch a pain point, It can really stir some things up, Kendall. But sometimes God touches a pain point in our lives because He wants to stir some things up. In fact, sometimes 
He wants to get right up in the pain and deal with it and help us to heal through that. Because what a lot of people do when it comes to pain, when it comes to hurts, when it comes to wounds, is they want to escape. This is the first way that people, unhealthy way, they handle pain, is they try to escape from it. They try to run from it. They try to just avoid it and go as far as they can in the other direction. Let me ask you something. Does it go away? It's still there. It's this myth and this thought that if I just escape it, if I just run from it, then somehow it's going to go away and the, the pain that I'm feeling from this will lift. And then we layer these pains with other things to try and escape from it. We're, we're, where is possibly your Tarshish? What is it? Is it maybe it's a, a bottle? Maybe it's a pill? Maybe it's a toxic relationship. There's all kinds of things that we run to, but really what's happening is we're trying to escape a pain. And let me just tell you this. God desperately wants to help you deal with. You see, God heals us. Something you have to understand about healing is that He heals us spiritually when we are saved and He sends His Spirit to live on the inside of us. We're healed spiritually. We're heaven bound. And our eternal life is secured. But He also wants to continue restoring us and healing us emotionally through this broken walk and this broken world that we're on. And we have to open ourselves up to allow God to do that work in and through us. You see, Jesus wants to get right up in your mess with you. That's what's beautiful about this. He wants to get right up in the pain and help us not to just escape from it, not to cope with it, but to actually heal us from it. To bring us through, to restore us to a place where we actually come out stronger because of it. This is one of the beautiful parts of God's handiwork in our lives. It's not that we enjoy pain, it's not that we want pain, and it's not that we go looking for it. But I just want to be as real as I can be with you today. And I don't suppose that any people here, anyone here are under illusions that this is not true. But your ability to have capacity for pain and understand that it's coming one way or another in your life. Your capacity to embrace it when it does and allow the healer, Jesus, in you to actually get in it with you and, and process it with you. Face it head on, not run from it or try to cope with it, but deal with it has everything to do with the strength that continues to develop in your walk of faith. Pain is coming. I mean, Jesus even said this. He said, in the world you will have tribulation. There it is. It's coming. You're going to have pain. Nobody's escaping that. Okay? He said, be of good, but he said, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Don't you love those two statements back to back? You're going to have tribulation in the world, Nancy, but be of good cheer. That's like, cheer up, Kendall, because you know what? You're going to have pain, but it's okay because I've overcome the world. And those who are born of God... Sorry, I, didn't, I hit you kind of hard there. I, you know what? Grab a free t-shirt afterwards. I'm sorry. 
Oh, man. So, so Jonah's first attempt is to try to escape and get away from this. He just wants to run from it, forget it's even there altogether. And he goes down this journey through the Mediterranean Sea. He gets on this ship, and the Mediterranean is known for being a very rough sea. At certain times of the year, there are some major storms that hit it. And actually, in Acts chapter 27, the Apostle Paul, if you remember, he was on a boat whenever he was in shackles headed to Rome, and there was a storm that came up on the Mediterranean called Euroclidon, and it's the exact same kind of storm. It was a tempest. The Bible says that God sent a tempest in the sea while Jonah was trying to run. Now, this is something that hit me recently. A lot of times we think about storms in life and we think about trials, and we think that they're all bad. But God himself actually sent this storm. Isn't that interesting? He actually sent this wind. And why did he send it? To try and move Jonah back on track. That's how much God loves us. To try to move Jonah back on track to fulfilling what God was calling him to do. Because I believe when I read this story, one of the things that I see when you read it from beginning to end and you take it all in is that God had a plan to, to bring an offer of repentance and forgiveness to these people of Nineveh, which mind you, if a prophet didn't go, they're done. They're trapped because they, they need to hear the word of God. You can't believe unless you hear, right? So somebody needed to get there. So God had this big plan for these people of Nineveh. But God had a plan to deal with some pain and do some restoration in Jonah along the way at the same time. And the first thing that Jonah does is he tries to run from it and flee from it. And then the storm comes up, and we, we know the story, right? Jonah's uh, down in the cabin sleeping, and then the people that are, the crew that are on the boat wake him up and say, hey, what's going on? Pray to your God. What, why is this happening? And then it says that Jonah told them, throw me overboard. This is the only way it's going to stop. I'm the reason that this is all happening. And so the men don't want to do this, but they decide, okay, you know, and then they pray, God, don't let his blood be on our hands, and they throw Jonah overboard. It's interesting to me that Jonah actually is at a point where he wants to die. He's actually at a point where he wants to die. If you run from pain, and the pain continues to exist, it can begin to build and grow in a remarkable way in people's lives where it can create a deep place of despair and depression. And people can get there simply because they are avoiding processing and dealing with pain in a way where they can be healed from that and get stronger through that. And Jonah says he basically wants to die. So they throw him overboard and he sinks down and it says that a great fish, God sent a great fish to come and swallow Jonah. And so he did, and he was in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights. Now, just as a point that I want to make, there are different views on this story, this Bible book. Some people believe that it's purely allegorical, or it's just figurative, it's just symbolic. But I firmly believe that this is historical. This is a literal uh, interpretation that Jonah really did spend three nights in the belly of the whale. When you're reading the scripture, you always have to start by interpreting it literally. 
And if there's figurative or allegorical implications, then you, you can deduct that after you begin to read that it can't be literal. But it could be literal because of the way that it was broke down here and the way God sent the fish and then supernaturally made a way for Jonah to be able to survive in the belly of the fish. Some people say it's a whale, but it's really a great fish is the way it says that. Um, for three days and three nights. So Jonah's in there. And he cries out this deep, heartfelt prayer. He begins to pray for God to use him. He, just, he starts to see, like, I'm in this pit. I'm down here. You know, help me get out of this, God. And it says that the whale vomited Jonah out, and he landed on dry land. I, I hope that God can get my attention before I need to be puked out of a fish. But that's what happened. Jonah ended up getting puked out, and he lands on dry land. And let's turn to chapter 2 now, verse 10. It says, Then God saw their works. Oh, that's, I'm sorry, that's uh, 3. Chapter 2, verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying... Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city and a three-day uh, three journey in extent. So he gets his feet back on dry land. This is like second chance. And some of us are maybe in a place where our feet have just hit dry land. Maybe we've tried to escape pain maybe we've tried to run from it and we've realized that's not going to get the job done and and God's got our attention and now he's put our feet back on dry land and we have a new opportunity to go and do what God is leading us to do and allow him to do this work and this healing that he wants to do in and through us pain cannot be avoided it has to be dealt with but if we will allow God to deal with it the way he wants to then we will come out stronger as a result of that. I want to prove that to you. In, in James chapter 1, it says, I'm going to read out of the Amplified Version, verses 2 through 4. It says, Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experiences produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace and let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith lacking in nothing you see our God is a God of processes and pain is something that he can use to take us through a process of building and growing and developing our strength God doesn't bring the pain. You understand the world has fallen and so things happen. We get wounded. We get hurt. We get wounded emotionally. And it's like if you're cut, that wound needs time to heal. But it will heal. 
if given the right amount of time and, and, and the process is allowed to take place. So when pain happens, when we get cut, when we get wounded by relationships, by things, by failures or different things in our lives, whatever they may be, it's not that God caused it, but He says, I have a solution for that. I have a, a work that I want to do in and through you, and that's to take you through a process where the pain can actually be healed from, but get this, as a result of letting God lead you through that and do the work, you come out stronger on the other side. And so our capacity, our threshold for pain to say it's coming, but to say I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to deal with it, I'm going to face it, I'm not going to run from it, or I'm not going to do the other thing that people do, which is just try to manage it. Just manage it. Let me just get a medication for that thing. Let me just cope with that thing. Let me tell you something. Jesus and a relationship with Him is not a coping mechanism. This is not some sort of little self-help deal. He wants to transform us. He wants to heal us. And He wants to restore us fully so that we can become everything that He's created us to be. But if we don't allow Him to get up in the pain with us and say, we're going to deal with this thing. And God, I can't deal with it on my own, but I'm going to let you get up here in my mess and lead me through so that I can heal, so that I can be restored, so that I can forgive, so that I can recover fully from this thing, and I'll come out stronger on the other side. But if we don't, these things can linger beneath the surface for years and years in our lives. And never stop causing us pain. Do you get that? They can never stop cutting, making little cuts in our soul and in our emotions over and over again. It's like the thing that just keeps coming because we never properly dealt with it. One time, I think this was last year, we were having some problems with fruit flies in our house. And every time we'd come home, you know, we'd suck them up with the vacuum cleaner and it just seemed like there were thousands of them. We'd get rid of them and then like the next day, there they are again, all over. And we're like, something has got to be up. And then there was kind of like this odor in the house, in the kitchen. And we're like, what is this? We finally got to the bottom of it. There were these rotting banana peels that one of our kids had put down in the vent of the air conditioner. <laughs> And it's just rotting and rotting and rotting. So then we did a full look through their rooms. <laughs> Found more stuff. <laughs> but these fruit flies just kept coming back. And they wouldn't have stopped coming back. No matter how many of them we sucked up in that vacuum cleaner, those suckers just kept multiplying like these kids we had up here today. You know, they just kept coming. But... We were never going to get rid of them until we got rid of the banana peels, until we dealt with the underlying issue that was really causing all of this. And I think in this story, I think one of the pictures that I see is that God's trying to restore Jonah. He's trying to help him heal from this deep pain, this deep affliction that he's suffering from that's caused him to be completely bitter against these people. And if we carry bitterness for anybody, it will only hold us back in our growth with God. He's trying to deal with this thing, help Jonah be restored from this thing in the process of the work that he's wanting to do. 
But Jonah is just like when a pain point is touched and it hurts, he's trying to avoid this. Even when he goes to Nineveh, you read on in the story, even when he goes, it appears that he goes very reluctantly. I think when you examine this, Jonah doesn't really want them to repent. He actually wants them to be taken out. He, he wants God to judge them and for them to be annihilated because he's like, okay, I'm going to go. The, whale thing, the fish thing didn't work out so good, so I'm going to go to Nineveh. But it seems like he's saying in his heart and in his mind, I hope that God smites these people. Because he's got such pain and such affliction from what they've caused his people for so long that that's really what he's hoping is going to occur. Another thing we see here, which is a, a, a terrible thing to have, is that there's this sense of like spiritual superiority. You know, the Jews were God's people, were the chosen people, but the message of salvation is for all the nations of the world. And so Jonah's like looking down on them. He's sort of got his nose looked down on them like a lot of the, the, the people did in that time that were a part of God's, uh, the Jews. They would look and they didn't think that other people uh, deserve God's forgiveness and His salvation. And, and so Jonah has this sort of sense of spiritual superiority which is hurting him. He's looking down his nose and it's causing him to miss this work of forgiveness that God wants to do that we all need anyway, right? None of us are, are different on that. And he's wanting to take Jonah and help him break free of all this so that he can be healed of this, so he can be restored and he can be whole and, and a man that has love and compassion for all people because that's the heart of God and that's the heart that he's trying to develop in Jonah. And so he finally gets there and let's go to... Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. So, so they, re they end up repenting. They hear a message of Jonah's message, and they, they repent. They actually go into a deep fast, and, they, and even the animals are not allowed to eat or have water during this fast. Like Their hearts are torn. They've, they've, they get it. And they're repenting, and they're asking God to spare them. And so this outcome that Jonah doesn't seem that he wanted to have happen has now happened. So now Jonah has to address this and has to deal with this. And this is where these verses go. Uh, chapter, one, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, It displeased Jonah exceedingly. In the verse before, it talked about how they repented. And he became angry. And so he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Here it is again. He wants to die again. God spared these people. He said, I knew it. You were a loving God. I knew it. You were merciful, Lord. I knew this was going to happen. That's why I didn't want to go. Do you see how deep his pain goes? His pain is deep. So deep that there's nothing on earth that can deal with this thing and heal him from this thing. 
Our pain can go so deep that there is nothing but a loving God, a restorative God, who will get down in the mix with us and deal with that will be the only thing that can cause us to heal and be restored. So that becomes a thing of our path, and then we can look ahead to a brighter future, one where we are stronger and our faith has been built up and increased by a healthy process of healing and being restored through pain. And we have to know that, that our ability, our capacity to embrace pain and let God heal us and restore us and work through this thing with us has everything to do with not being held back by the continual affliction of what that pain can cause us. I don't know what your pain is. I don't know what it is, but I know there's all kinds of them. Chances are nearly every person in this room today has some kind of pain, some kind of wound that they have suffered from the hands of someone else or some other situation that's cut you down in your soul. I'm not talking about cut on your skin. I'm talking about in your soul. And that pain needs to be dealt with. Guys, it can't stay there and be hidden. It can't be buried and pushed away. And we can't just try to cope with it and manage it and just pretend like it's going to be fine without ever addressing it and dealing with it. And that's what God wants to do. And he gives Jonah this opportunity. And so Jonah, listen to what he does. Verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and made himself a shelter and sat in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. Let's pause for just a second. So he goes out away from the city, he gets up on this, I guess this cliff or this hill, and he pops a lawn chair out. And he's like, I want to see this city destroyed. Somewhere along the line, he's hoping that they screw up. He's hoping that something happens and God still wipes him out. And God's giving him an opportunity to be restored from this. And this is where, from this point on, this is where God finally goes right after the heart of the issue with Jonah. He finally goes right at an opportunity to deal with this pain, to to open it up and try to help Jonah to be restored from this. So here's what he says in verse 6. So the Lord God prepared a plant and, it, and made it cover up Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned, the next day God prepared a worm and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun rose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint And then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Again, three times now. And then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Here it is. This is what God was trying to teach him. And he said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, You've had pity on the plant, which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left? They're dying. They are trapped. And unless someone goes and shares the message with them, they have no hope. 
So you are going to get upset, Jonah, about this plant that I brought up so you had shade, and then there was a hot wind that made it miserable. The worm came and killed the plant so that God could show him this plant came up and went down, and you had nothing to do with it, and you're pitying the plant. What about these 120,000 people? Let's get to the heart of the issue, Jonah. Let's deal with your bitterness, Jonah. Let's deal with your animosity, Jonah. I get that you've been hurt. I get that you've been wounded. I get that those people have afflicted your people that's bad stuff in a bad world and it happened and it's going to continue to happen but i'm talking about you jonah i'm talking about your heart and the condition of health in your spirit right now and if we don't deal with this bitterness we don't deal with this animosity and this anger then you are going to be a miserable man for the rest of your life jonah and it's going to keep you from the great things that i want to do in and through you you see i love my jesus because I'll get myself into stuff. And things will happen to me that I can't control that will cause me pain. But this is what my Jesus says. He says, Matt, I want to get right up in your mess with you. I want to be a part of the pain healing process. And I want to restore you through that thing. Anybody ever had a sleeping bag when you were on camp or you're doing you know, a, a fun outing and uh, you get really, really cold and they tell you just get in a sleeping bag with somebody else and snuggle up real close. You'll get body heat from that. Nobody's going to admit that they did that. <laughs> I've never done it, but if I had to, I would if I was that cold, right? But the point is, is you get up in that bag and you're zipped up and you, you're everywhere you move, every direction you go, you're, you're feeling the same thing. You can't move, you can't shift, you can't do anything without the other person being affected and impacted. You see, Jesus wants to get right up in that sleeping bag with you. He wants to get so close to you and your pain and your situation that he is literally the only one who can lead you through and heal you fully and restore you from everything it is that you've suffered from. That wound may become a scar. It may be there. You may see the evidence that it once existed, but it can be something that's fully healed and never limits you again. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. Can we give the Lord a shout for that today? The close of this story has always perplexed me because it ends right there. It ends. It's like a cliffhanger, you know? You know how some of those movies you watch, you're like, no, you cannot end it like that. There must be a part two coming. Right, And then you watch all the way through the credits to see if there's a little video of a preview of the next episode. This has always struck me as a story that's like one of those cliffhangers. Because we don't really know which direction Jonah went. We don't really know if he allowed God to heal him from this thing. Or if he became a miserable man for the rest of his life. And I thought about that, I've pondered that a lot. And I just think that one of the lessons in there is that we can see it can go either way for us. Yeah. It can go either way for us too. We can try to escape our pain. We can try to manage our pain. Or we can process our pain. Those are our three options. And it's only by processing it with a God who says, I am your healer. 
and I want to restore you that we can ever fully be healed and praise God that we can get stronger as a result of that. I promise you, you process pain with the Lord, you go through the journey that you need to go through, it's not an overnight event. I don't want to mislead you. It's not that you're just going to wake up one day and it's just gone. It's a process. And the Lord works in processes in a miraculous way. The continual need to depend on Him and lean on Him through multiple days, weeks, it produces a strength and a, a part of our walk of faith that nothing else can do. That's why He says the testing of your faith produces patience and perseverance. And that will have a perfect and complete work in your life. But I promise you, if you process pain, if you let Jesus get up in that sleeping bag with you and deal with this stuff and lead you through this thing, you like that sleeping bag, some of you guys are laughing. If you let him do that, then you will increase your capacity and your threshold to be able to deal with pain that is inevitably going to come in your life greater the call, probably the greater opposition that's going to be against what God wants to do. We must embrace this idea that pain is coming, but be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. Hallelujah.